when we use the wrong contextual paradigm to determine what our ministry is, something external, we end up experiencing burnout, frustration, disappointment, anger. We blame the church. We blame people. We bring, you know, I was hurt by the church. I was hurt by the leaders. I was mm. hurt by this. I was hurt by that. And then we get, cause it creates a lot of pain when you use the wrong contextual paradigm to determine your ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith and challenge you to really have deep conversations about what you believe and why you believe it. We provide an environment, we provide things for you to think about, but ultimately it is your journey that you have to walk and you have to take the courage to actually start thinking. So... We are so excited to have you here with us. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, and we can't do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. Yeah, I like the way you said that, you know, take have courage to think. And I'm like, you know, it does. It takes a lot of courage to think for yourself. It really does. I mean, to, to say to yourself that, well, I'm going to learn how to discern truth from fiction or truth from lie and... Since we live in a world of deconstructionism and postmodernism, meta, you know, there are no meta narratives, blah, 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 blah. You, we, people are like, well, man, it's such an effort, but it's so worth it. Well, I think that whole process, it's just like a good workout. When you go, when yeah. you put the work in and you go, you may end up agreeing with what you were told. And that's fine too. It doesn't mean just because you're thinking you have to disagree with every single thing you heard. Correct. But if you take the time to go, okay. I understand that point. I cannot think of another reason yeah. why that would be wrong. So, yes, I agree with you, rather than just saying, oh, well, the guy said it, so it must be true. Yeah. Well, and that's what's interesting about deconstructionism, because it's skeptical of any and all truth claims. So basically, anytime anybody says everything, anything, they disagree with it. Right, rather you know? than just <laughs> yeah, it's, being it's like, critically thought okay, about. Okay, well, yeah, think about it critically. And and these come down to the really core issues of, of life, and that is how do you know what's true or not. And that there's a deeper question associated with that is, uh, well, how do you know you are you? How do you know you're alive? And what does it mean to be a human being? And why, why do we treat people certain ways? And what's the point of morality? I mean, these are really big questions and right. you can't get to them unless you ask yourself this question. And that is, how do I know what's real and how do I know it's really real? And I'm not in the matrix and my not name's not matrix. Neo and taking the red, the pill. red pills. <laughs> well, we are in uh, our series titled Your Life Matters, and we're yes. talking about why your life matters. Yes. Uh, just a brief review of what we've kind of covered up to this point. We've talked about how human beings need to know they have value. If you don't believe your life has value, there's dramatic consequences mm -hmm. in your life. Yes. You determine why your life has value from your origin story. We yes. talked at length about origin stories. We get to choose what origin story we believe, and if we choose well our lives matter more than we could ever imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And we cannot find value within ourselves or any other human being. It must come from outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we've taken these key points. We had a really great discussion on Tuesday about yes. Ephesians chapter 3. Mm -hmm. What are we talking about today? How are we, we, we usually do a practical step on Thursday. So to Well, we're talking about your ministry and what exactly is it. And what's really interesting is if you start off with, hey, you have a ministry, you need to find out what it is and go do it. What happens is you create a, a paradigm, mm. all right? A contextual reality, I call it. And what that, what that does is it starts you off on the wrong presupposition. 
Okay. And what I mean by that is this, and that is you start off thinking, oh, there's something out there called a ministry. I need to go and do it and find out what it is. Right. Okay. So you start off looking in the wrong place, right? You always start off looking in the wrong place. You're always looking out there. Right. And so you're trying to use external means to evaluate and determine whether or not you should be in a ministry. For instance, you'll go out, you'll do something and somebody says back to you, wow, you're so good at that and go, oh, well, that's a data point that means maybe that's my ministry, right? Right. Oh, you're so good at that. So positive reinforcement, but that's not exactly what ministry is. And what ends up happening is so many people actually do ministry either professionally or the majority of people are doing ministry, just followers of Jesus based on that contextual paradigm. You were, you were told you were good at this one time and therefore that must be yeah. your calling. Yeah. That's my <laughs> calling. So I go and do that, you know, and this is really big in worship ministry. You know, somebody gets up, they sing and they go, oh my gosh, you're so gifted. And so they go, oh, am I, I'm called to do this. Right. Right. And what happens is then when the positive reinforcement changes, what happens? They suddenly fall off because yeah. then it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not as good at this. I must not be meant for anything so i'm just gonna yeah you go on this. to american idol and they do what bah, you're out <laughs> you know and so you're thinking to yourself oh okay so so how do you move from that now i'm not saying that people aren't gifted to sing that's all i'm saying what i'm saying is that when we use the wrong contextual paradigm to determine what our ministry is something external we end up experiencing burnout frustration disappointment anger we blame the church we blame people we bring you know, I was hurt by the church. I was hurt by the leaders. I was mm. hurt by this. I was hurt by that. And then we get, because it creates a lot of pain when you use the wrong contextual paradigm to determine your ministry. So I started off in a totally different direction by just simply following the scriptures. What does Paul talk about in Ephesians chapter one? What does he talk about? Chapter two. What does he talk about? Chapter three. Now he laid it out that way, divinely inspired by God for a reason and a purpose. You know what that reason and purpose was? Is that we have to understand who we are in Christ first. And until we understand that, our value in what God is doing in us, then we'll never understand our ministry. Mm. You see, it, it you cannot invert the two. So it always starts with what God has done in you before you can ever ask the question, what does he want to do through me? Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, very much so. So, so what we want to do is we want to talk about that's where you're, you have to start from a value place, a place of tremendous affirmation and value. And once you understand that, then you see God move through you and your ministry then will grow you. It grows you stronger. It grows you uh, wiser because you're taking what you've been given, right? And you're using it. Mm. Okay. So that's, what's really, really important. So often people will, um, do things for God and then expect a paycheck, you know? Right. Well, I did this for you, God. Okay. So where's my blessing? Yeah. You're my boss. Right. And I'm your employee. And I showed up for work today and punched the clock. <laughs> and God's like, yeah, yeah. I don't have employees. Right. You know, I have children <laughs> that I've adopted into my family and seated at the right hand of Jesus. You're flying first class, baby. So what are you going to do with it? See, so it's a different way of thinking. And a lot right. of people use the old way of thinking. And I think that's why we have such uh, difficulty. So what I'm doing is I'm, I've got another uh, video to respond to. And this guy starts right off talking about deconstructionism. Every video that we've watched has been either, they either say I'm a deconstructionist or they're a hundred percent exemplifying deconstruction thinking and thought. 
Right. And so I want people to see it in a real way and what it actually does to you as a person. It's not just some abstract word that we came up with, you know, that is like, ooh, that's bad. I don't know what it is, but I Look, don't want to do it. The more you're exposed to it and it's identified, yeah. the easier it is for you to recognize it around you. I mean, yes. there was this whole trend a while back where there would be these videos of um, spot the kid that's drowning. Yeah. And this isn't like a weird thing. It's like lifeguard training where they would yeah. have like this seat, like ocean of filled kids. with kids. Yeah. And you're trying to use this video to identify, okay, which one of them is exhibiting drowning yeah. symptoms, yeah. right? And this is basically the same thing we're doing here. It's like, we're going to show you these videos or have you listen to these videos so that you understand what this sounds like in your daily life, yeah. right? What you're being mm -hmm. exposed to in daily life. So then when you hear it or see it, you're like, oh, I know exactly what they're doing yeah. versus just sometimes we get a little high and abstract because you have to understand what the concept is. But ultimately, understanding the concept and then seeing the concept are two very different skill sets, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's what we're trying to do here is show people in a real life way. And this guy here, his name is David Hayward. And he says basically that he was a pastor for 30 some years. And then I don't know if he left the ministry or he just moved over to this other area where he's a deconstructionist, you know, in Christianity to help people on their journey. He's an artist. He creates art. I'm not sure what that is, but he posts a lot of these types of things on TikTok, which is now the number one, you know, media, social media platform in the world. Right. You know, people use it and watch it more than anything else, particularly young people. And that's why I want, you know, it's important if you're a parent or a grandparent or whatever to know this, this is what kids are being exposed to all the time. Now he starts off saying I'm a deconstructionist. And the reason I'm focusing particularly on this video is because I want you to see what deconstructionism does, right? Without, he's going to show you what it does, but then I'm going to tell you based on what he says is the logical conclusion. In other words, what does it bring to you? And what it does is it actually devalues you. Mm. Deconstructionism starts with the notion that, well, you've got all these people that have been hurt or all these people who are fringe or marginalized people groups, or, you know, they use all this terminology, you know, about, uh, you know, intersectionality and groups and power and stuff. And all this comes from Marxist ideology, right? And what deconstructionists do is they take these intersections where people bump into each other and then they maximize them as criticisms. Okay. And so that's what he's doing. So, uh, let's start video number one and let's get going and see what he says. And I'll tell you when to stop. Hey, my friends, you know what I think is the full extent of deconstruction is when you realize after all the years of research, all the hours of prayer and worship and church attendance and meditation, that it just seems worthless. Okay, stop there. So, okay. So the first thing he does is he says the ultimate goal of deconstructionism, right? Is, and then he says, after all of my effort, you just, you, you know, you discover it's worthless. Mm. Okay. Now, how many times have you done something, right? That you felt like you were wasting your time or effort? Uh, many, many times, many times. So we talk about your dating life. <laughs> yes, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a waste of money, waste time, of money, effort. time, effort at <laughs> this point. So sorry I, that maybe that was a cruel joke. No. I apologize. <laughs> 
but it's it's true. <laughs> everybody, everybody, you do stuff that you're frustrated with all the time, right? It can feel that way for it, sure. Feel, yeah, whatever you're doing, and sometimes you do stuff, and you can do it your whole life, and you're thinking, why in the world did I do all this? You know. Um, and so, what I think is really fascinating about that is that that's a feeling that's common to all human beings. Mm. Okay, so deconstructionism, in this case, he says takes that feeling we've all experienced, right? And then what does he say? Is he says, deconstructionism will prove to you that everything you've done is worthless. So, so on the surface, it's like, I'm going to relate to you on an emotional level, right? They're right? like, oh, we feel the exact same way. Exactly. Those emotions you're feeling, there's a reason mm -hmm. why. Because it's all worthless and deconstructionism will prove this to you. Right. So now what they're doing is they're basically putting the poison in a spoonful of sugar. Mm. And people are like, yeah, and you take anybody and this happens more often in an affluent society. You take people that struggle to understand their value. Mm. They understand, uh, they struggle. How do I fit in or what, who am I really? These are all value-based questions. And so deconstructionism says basically our end goal is to devalue everything, right? That mm. maybe you thought could bring value to your life. Let's continue on just ashes and you realize that religion, even though it does some good in the world, has produced some of the cruelest, meanest, nastiest, hateful people on the planet. Okay. Stop there. Okay. So the, the, what he does is he says, so this is called conflation now. All right. So when he says, we see that religion has done some good, and this is a common thing that deconstructionists do is they say, well, it's done some good. And so, you know, something pops into your head that you thought was good. He says, but then it produces the most hateful people that you could ever imagine and say, okay, well, what religion are you talking about? First of all, because there's major religions with major structural differences in major differences and outcomes of the kind of people they produce. Right. Right. Number two is that in any community, whether it be an academic community, a political community, a neighborhood community, a nonprofit community, a school community, you know, uh, the community produces people that are nasty and mean and people that are good. Right. Right. The, that's that's an irrelevancy. Yeah. That's there, yeah. It's, it's totally. A, it's like you can throw a rock at any community group and find yeah, the exactly. same thing. He's saying this only re exists in religion, but it's like no, this exists in humanity because because humanity the sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what he's trying to do. Is he's trying to say it's religion that produces this stuff, right? Right. Which that's a fallacy. What he's doing is he's using a logical fallacy. He's appealing to your emotion, right? So anybody's ever been hurt by anything that they think was religious in nature, they're going to say what? Well, that's true. It produces that. Well, does it? See, that's you need to think critically because in the end, you have to decide for yourself. And so what he's doing is something that is called a logical fallacy. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to conflate because the bottom line, here's the real question, isn't whether human beings who are involved in any community or organization or all by themselves can be bad or good. Right. The question is, is does that community have as its expressed purpose to produce those kinds of people? Mm. Right. And so so what's really fascinating is let's get really specific here. This is very, very salty. And so I think I can speak with this with some level of uh, 
uh, education about it. And that is, I understand the claim of Christianity and what Jesus is calling us to be, right? Mm -hmm. So when somebody does something evil, right, and says, well, I did it in the name of Jesus, it's easy to say, no, you didn't. Jesus said, don't ever do that. And you did the opposite. So what we would say is people who in the name of Christ do evil things are doing it in spite of or opposite of what Jesus taught. Okay. Okay. Now I read the Quran. Okay. And in the Quran, and I have it highlighted, it says over and over and over again, people who disagree and don't accept the law, you need, they're called infidels. You need to go out. You need to behead them. You need to cut their arms off. You cut their tongues out. You need to kill them. You need to visit upon them, you know, all kinds of things. And so those are the direct truth postulates of the Quran. So, so when people do that, are they fulfilling the postulates or claims of the Quran or are they doing it in spite of it? Mm-hmm. And, and so this is really, really important stuff. It's really important stuff because of Christianity, when people do evil things or bad things, they're doing it in contradiction to the claims of scripture. Right. Right. But in Islam, when they, when terrorists do what they're doing, they're full, they can quote chapter and verse right? They can quote chapter and verse of why they're doing what they're doing with no admonition. Now what he does and what a lot of people do today, okay, is they go to the old Testament and they take claims in the old Testament and then try to superimpose those over claims in the new Testament. Right. Right. And say, well, God said this, blah, 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 blah. They try to create a logical trap. And so the response to that is, is that, well, if you have a problem with it, it's not with Christianity. That's with Judaism. So go and talk to a Jews rabbi and see what they say. You know, why did those things happen in Christianity? The old Testament is, is a part of the Bible. And it's important from the standpoint that the old Testament is a part of the Christian Bible, because what it does is it is a testimony that God was preparing humanity to receive Jesus Christ, the Messiah that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the old Testament prophecy uh, as the Messiah. That's the point and purpose of it. And so uh, I think what's really important to understand is what he's doing here. You see is he's conflating and he's trying to use a technique and kids in high school are going to hear that. And they're going to go, Oh, that's right. Religion does that. Or does it, does it actually produce that? Or do certain kinds of experiences and certain kinds of things produce that? That's very important to understand because what people like him who use Marxist ideology as the presupposition on which they base their ideology, you have to realize is that they've adopted uh, Rousseau's notion that the human being is fine. It's society that makes them bad. Mm. So if we change society or get rid of society or get rid of religion, then, okay, let's get rid of all religion. We're not going to have any bad people. You know, the John Lennon thing, you know, can you imagine if there was no religion, you know, people would be what? awesome. Right. right? And what's happened now that we've gotten rid of a committed faith in America. Are we more awesome now than we were before? Not so much, not so much. So let's go on and see what he says next. And some of the stupidest, most violent and harmful and destructive ideas in the world. And you realize they're, they're, is there anything beyond these words and beliefs and thoughts, or is this all there is? That's the question. 
Okay, so stop there because that's the end of the video. So notice what he does now is he, he doesn't define any of his terms of what he means. He just says it's created some of the most destructive ideologies. And so you immediately go, oh, that's bad. Right. Okay, that's bad. Okay, but a thinking person says, well, what destructive ideology are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I mean, aren't, can't ideologies be articulated? Yes. Can they be evaluated? Yes. Can they be objectively evaluated against facts? Yes. So if we want to know what's true or not, should we use some type of rationale or reasoning to determine whether it's destructive or not? And how do you know it's destructive? You know, uh, and what is your definition of destructive? So you have leaving things intentionally vague and wide so that you can infer so that you whatever you want. So you just insert whatever your inherent issues are. Exactly. On top of it, right? It's the yeah. same reason a lot of, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll use this as an example. You use uh, cartoons. They almost always will make the protagonist in a cartoon somewhat muted mm-hmm. so that you can superimpose yourself into that situation. So you, yeah. you are then identifying with the protagonist. If they have their own super unique identity, you're like, well, I don't know. That's not me. So it's like, it's a, it's a way of going, oh, if I leave it vague enough and I don't put enough information on it then mm-hmm. you can take your idea and say oh he's obviously talking about so and so or yeah. whatever yeah thing right yeah and so and i think that's and he he is says he is an artist and that's what artists do is they try to leave it as vague as possible you know and you know that this is a case for so many people because some of the most popular songs in the world people have no idea what they're actually about right but they you know they have a feeling about what they 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 spoke to my soul they really understand yeah. me and it's like yeah. well it's it's the most vague lyrics in the world, but yeah. that's because you can put yourself, you can into put them. yourself into it. Sometimes. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of people think that Bruce Springsteen's born in the USA is a patriotic song. It's it, not, it does get played a lot at patriotic <laughs> events. <laughs> yeah. But it is not patriotic at all. And here's another one in being in the ministry for a long time. Uh, you know, when green day was popular, mm-hmm. you know, they have this song, I hope you have the time of your life, right. super catchy tune and stuff like that. And so people go, Oh, we think we'd like to play that song at our wedding. And I said, why? I said, go home and read the lyrics and they come <laughs> back and they go, yeah, we don't want to play that song. At our yep. Cause it's not a, I hope you're doing well and it's going to be great. It's, it's basically a, a giant middle finger to somebody. Right. And you read the lyrics and you go, Oh, oh, that's not what I thought this song was about. Right. So I think this is really important to understand is that what what I want people to do is think we want our emotions to be moved. We want our emotions because that's how that's the spice of life is emotions. Right. Right. And it, it makes the days awesome. But we are not to be driven by our emotions because people will use our emotions against us all the time. So it's really important to understand. So what he's doing here, you see, is he's trying to devalue faith. He's sowing seeds of deconstructionism by saying, oh, it's horrible ideology and it produces evil and nasty people and blah, 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 blah. Well, in the, in the biblical origin story, it is, yes, human beings can be very evil and nasty and they can believe things ideologically that are very destructive. However, is that a result of a belief system or a religion or is it in spite of that's what wise and smart people do is they ask those questions of themselves Mm. and of what they believe. And that is where you really become a person of 
clarity and strength and you're not manipulated. You're not gullible. You're not a sheep, but what you are is you become a sheep dog. Right. And that's the key. So now the next thing I wanted to do is this is kind of a little bit of, um, uh, self-indulgence on my part. <laughs> I just, I, I want you guys to see this, this gal, she does a lot of things. She's a real young gal. She's, you know, the camera loves her face and her looks, you know, so she's, a, she comes across real attractive on the camera. The way she talks, you know, is really charming and stuff, but the stuff that comes out of her mouth is brain dead stupid. <laughs> So let's play this. I, I just want you to hear the whole thing and then I'm going to talk about it. I would rather live in a system where everyone is equally poor, but has all of their basic needs, including housing, food, water, health care met, than a system where I could be rich while millions of people suffer in poverty, suffer with food insecurity, die due to lack of access to health care, die due to lack of access to secure housing. Okay, there you go. So this is her communist appeal. She actually calls herself a communist. I'm commie mommy. That's her moniker. Is that what they call that? Tag or her whatever. Tag. Okay, her tag is commie mommy. And so this is what she says is, I would rather live in a system, right, where everyone is equally poor, but all these things exist, okay, than live in a system where there's disparities, mm -hmm. okay? But here, here's, here's three things that I want to say on this. Number one is you can Okay. It's called Venezuela. It's called Cuba. It's called Russia. It's, it's all of these things, but guess what? If you go to the communist country you want to live in, you won't move there because guess what? All the things you describe that you want don't exist there. Right. Right. You know, all this stuff about healthcare and uh, for everybody, people say, Oh, Cuba has the greatest healthcare system. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Um, and so what happens is why do those things exist? Right. Well, they exist in societies that focus on producing wealth. And that is, is that you have the freedom to go out and produce wealth and because all wealth is produced. Food security is produced. Okay. It doesn't happen by magic. It's produced, right? And you right. know who it's produced by? It's produced by predominantly ranchers, farmers, and rednecks who love to be outdoors and work 16 to 18 hours a day. That's what they like to do. You know, they like to be out there working all day long. And when you go out into the agricultural system and realize how much food that we produced, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. When was the last time there was a famine in the United States of America? Probably the Great Depression, right? Yeah. And was, it, was there even a famine then? I mean, there were soup kitchens and soup lines and bread lines. And, but the point is, is that, so there are people who produce that. You say, I want healthcare for everybody. Well, right now, I'm not trying to say we have the best healthcare delivery system or anything out there, but we lead the world in the development of healthcare for everybody. I think the vaccine is a perfect example. And that is, is that nations that didn't use the vaccine used in America, their vaccines didn't work. Mm. But the vaccines that were developed in America by American companies and then rolled out have provided some of the greatest, you know, protection against COVID. So you think you go, cause I've said this before, I feel like the development of the vaccine, now that doesn't mean there's not issues with it or problems and people who criticize it have every right to do so and should, because that's what science is, right? Science is not a consensus. I don't know where this idiotic notion came from, 
but it's not. Science is not a consensus. Science is not a democracy. Science is cold, hard fact, provable, unequivocally provable fact. And if one person has the fact and a million other people don't, science says the fact is always true. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's, what's really interesting about science. And so, but my point being is that you want to live in a society, Kami Mami wants to live in a society where I want all this stuff, but I don't want anything that actually produces all the stuff that I want. And that's why it's brain dead, stupid. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important that we understand that only thinking people will come to the cook the right conclusions, but putting yourself on a TikTok and saying stuff and then having, you know, millions of people like it and all that kind of stuff doesn't make you smart or wise. Just because you have a platform doesn't necessarily mean you should listen to the person with the platform. Yeah. And you start to buy into this. And here's why I bring this up is people are like, oh, you're just picking on communists and stuff. Yes, that's true. I am doing that because <laughs> they're, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. But the other thing that I'm doing is I'm showing this is that, is that when, when people listen to these highly divergent ideologies and highly divergent things and they don't think about them, guess what happens to your value as a human being? It goes down because that's what destruction is, deconstructionism always does is it devalues you as a person. And what happens is then you start wallowing in this, I don't know that my life matters. I mm-hmm. just don't know. So one of the things is, is to avoid these things. Don't be swayed by them and spend all your time thinking about what God has already done in me, how he has saved me, how he has redeemed me. How has he healed me? You know, I needed to be healed from some things. I needed to be set free from some things. And then it's out of that truth that my ministry flows. Great. Well, thanks so much for bringing those in today. Those are great videos for us to kind of see these ideologies working in our world and where mm-hmm. people might interact with them. I think that yeah. TikTok, again, it's again, you know, a lot of people are working from home these days. They're they're not out and about as much. So it's like these kind of things are your primary source of interaction for a lot of people now, or they're watching and having parasocial relationships with people on YouTube or, yeah. or TikTok or whatever it might be. And so it's like, once you start getting into that thing where it's like, oh, I really know them, I understand them, they're so open with me, you could very easily start turning your brain off and going, well, yeah. everything they tell me must be true because I feel like I know them, right? Right. And it's like, you need to constantly go, what are you actually saying to me? Mm-hmm. What do you believe? And actually evaluate that. So we really appreciate you bringing those in, sharing them with us because that's going to help us identify and, and understand how to critically think through people's arguments and what they're saying mm-hmm. in our lives. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure you're having conversations with people around you as you're watching yeah. these videos. Maybe just turn to your friend or your spouse or and say, what do you think they're saying about this? What is the real thought process and where does it go? And have those conversations because that's what's going to really um, cement this process of thinking through things in your life. So mm-hmm. please join us on Sunday here at Foothills Christian Church as Pastor Doug continues speaking about how your love, how God's love leads to power yeah. and Strength where that goes. And, yeah, and, and your life matters, man. Your life really matters. Thank you so much. We'll see you on Sunday.